Hey everybody and welcome into the Cyclone Scoop. I'm Alex Halsted with 24-7 Sports and CycloneAlert.com. I'm coming to you here at the start of the recruiting dead period, which is going to run through July 25th. And what the dead period means is that kids can't visit campuses, coaches can't go out to visit kids, but it's not truly dead. Commitments are still going to happen. Coaches can still text and call recruits. And so there's still some action, but the recruiting dead period that goes for, for a month from June 24th through July 24th does give a little bit of a downtime and time perfectly timed uh, for the Cyclone Scoop because I can take a little break, take a breather, and uh, look back at what Iowa State has in this 2020 recruiting class so far and what they still have to do by the time uh, National Signing Day rolls around in December and then I guess the final signing day even in February. And so this is the perfect time for me to uh, talk at you and tell you what Iowa State has, what they still need, and uh, I'm going to get a little bit of help uh, later on in this episode with uh, 24-7 Sports Midwest recruiting analyst Alan True. I'm going to bring him on and he's going to help me break on a, a, a break down the flurry of commitments that Iowa State just had and what he thinks about some of these guys in Iowa State's recruiting classes they head into July. But before we get to Alan, I did want to uh, kind of go through what Iowa State's 2020 recruiting class looks like uh, as we go into this dead period. Iowa State now has 13 commitments in the 2020 recruiting class. When all is said and done, my projection over at CycloneAlert.com is between 20 and 22 in this class. And so when you look at 13 against that number, uh, they're about two-thirds of the way through uh, this 2020 recruiting class. So what do they have right now? Well, with seven commitments in the month of June, that's how they get to that 13. They went from six commitments entering June to now 13 exiting June or probably exiting June. I'm here talking to you on the final days of June, but hey, recruiting is uh, fluid and, rec and commitments can happen at any point. So if you're listening and that number changes, um, that's why. But with those 13 commits right now, Iowa State uh, has eight players on the offensive side of the ball. They've really set a good foundation on the offensive side of the ball in this class. Not a whole lot of work left uh, to go on the offensive side. When you look at the offensive uh, commit list, it's got two quarterbacks and Aiden Bowman and Hunter Deckers um, out of the Midwest. It's got four offensive linemen and two wide receivers. My projections right now is that Iowa State needs another wide receiver, uh, needs a tight end, and um, then there's a possibility that they could end up with a running back or another offensive lineman, but the two big needs still remaining on the offensive side of the ball are um, tight end and wide receiver, and that's because that foundation has been laid so well. So then you flip over to the de defensive side, and that's where you're gonna see a lot of the work that still needs to happen, and uh, that's primarily on the defensive line and in the defensive backfield. I could see Iowa State adding uh, as many as four more players on the defensive line and probably three more players in the, in the defensive backfield. So if Iowa State ends up with, say, 22 commits in this class um, with 13 right now, seven of those final nine or so could be um, defensive linemen or defensive backs. And so that's where the focus should be uh, for you, the listener. And that's where it is for me in terms of trying to figure out uh, which targets are leaning where entering July is on the defensive side of the ball and primarily at those two positions. But with the 13 commits that Iowa State has right now, I think you know they've, they've landed some of their priorities, they've laid a good foundation, and it's gonna be interesting to see where the staff goes from here. Right now, the class um, is ranked 35th nationally, which is fifth in the Big 12. The 24-7 sports composite average is 8517. Across, the, across the board, those numbers are kind of right where Iowa State um, probably wants to be. Um, you know, I obviously you can get greedy, and and uh, I know coaches and uh, administration people will say they don't look at rankings, and that might be true. But I think that's a good place for Iowa State to be, just when you look at a national rank, a Big 12 rank, and that 
uh, seven sports composite average just continues to be on the rise. Now it's early, you know, we're going into July here. There's still July, August, September, October, November, December. Then you got the last month of January going into the late signing period. A lot is going to change between now and then. Schools are going to add commitments and lose kids and those numbers are going to shift. But I just think as you sit here and look at it going into July, a good foundation has probably been built, a pretty similar foundation to last year. I want to say they went into July last year with 15 or so commits. So they're in a very similar position. They're still in on some of their top targets who could decide sooner than later, and uh, that class could continue to build. Uh, but just when you look at, at it historically, um, that 8517 24-7 sports composite average is uh, right on pace with last year's mark of 8533. Of course, that 2019 mark of 8533 is the best on record in the internet recruiting era, which goes back about 20 years to around 2000 or so. So um, this would be the second time only that they have been above 8500 in the 24-7 sports composite average, and it would be in back-to-back -back classes if, if this trend continues. Um, so... Uh, I, I don't want to go through all of the happenings in June. There's been seven commitments in the month of June. Five of them came in a one-week span. Four of them came in a 24-hour period here recently. And I think it'd, it'd be kind of boring if I just sit here and talk at you and, and tell you, you know, who these guys are and just kind of list things off. But there were three I did want to touch on, um, and then we'll get to Alan True. Um, the first commitment that kind of actually started this spree of five commitments in a week was Aiden Bitter a wide receiver down in Florida. And I think uh, Bitter is just an intriguing prospect. One I want to talk about because I think he kind of highlights one of the things Matt Campbell and his staff still continue to need to try to do, and that's find these under-the-radar prospects. When you look at Iowa State's 2020 class, they are beating uh, more Midwest schools. They're beating Power 5 schools for kids. But I think you still have to find those hidden gems to a degree at Iowa State, and I think that's what Aiden Bitter could be. He's six foot two and a half, but he's got a six foot five wingspan, and then you can kind of project those measurables out with some other numbers. He runs a 14.53 in the 110 hurdles down in Florida. Um, he high jumps six, uh, six feet, eight inches. He's a long jumper of 22 feet, eight inches and a quarter. And he also does the pole vault. And I think when you combine those measurables, that long wingspan, those track numbers, both as a jumper and a runner, um, they're really projecting him out. No other Power 5 offers. But I think they really think that this kid could be a hidden gem. And I think he's one of the most intriguing prospects in this 2020 recruiting class. He was actually joined recently by another receiver, Xavier Hutchinson, out of Blinn College down in Texas. This is a Juco receiver. And I think Juco's are always interesting in a recruiting class because you're expecting them to come in and play an impact earlier on in their career than these high school guys. Hutchinson is uh, at, a, at a school down in Texas, obviously, Blinn College, that has another a uh, good Juco receiver that's committed to TCU. So um, he's probably right in that top five Juco receiver territory. Uh, he's a kid that's going to enroll at Iowa State in January. And so anytime a kid comes in early as a Juco, they're going to have a chance to contribute early. And, uh, you know, Hutchinson's a six foot three receiver, has already got some size to him in terms of just his body build. And uh, he could contribute early for Iowa State potentially as soon as 2020. Uh, they had to beat out TCU, Illinois, Arizona State, and Utah, among others. Um, to get him so that's a good get for them and then the third guy i did want to touch on um is hunter deckers uh an in-state prospect he's the fourth in-state prospect for iowa state in this 2020 class it comes from western iowa west sioux he's actually right on the border of south dakota i looked this up kind of to see exactly where he was um and he's like 20 minutes from blake peterson in south dakota blake peterson of course is the defensive end that iowa state signed in the 2019 recruiting class uh, and he's from Beresford, South Dakota. Those two are like 20 minutes apart. Um, so Hunter Decker's almost in South Dakota, 
but he is an in-state prospect, a kid that uh, passed for more than 3,000 yards last year, back-to-back state champion, and uh, he's on pace if he has a similar season this year as he did in his junior season. Um, he would become the first ever uh, quarterback in the state of Iowa history to pass for 10,000 yards in a career. So a kid with a pretty electric arm. We'll get into it more with uh, Alan True on um, what Iowa State is getting in, Hunter Deckers and all of that. But uh, he's kind of the third guy I did want to highlight because I saw him at camp on June 8th. I think Iowa State tied him with like uh, a 4.64 and a 4.67. Um, so he's 6'2", 220, good arm but he can run a little bit too. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in their offense down the road as well. But uh, let's bring in Alan True uh, then to help go deeper into this 2020 recruiting class because Iowa State, as I mentioned at the top, has five commits in the last week, 13 total, and 10 of those guys are from the Midwest. Um, A lot of these guys Alan has evaluated for quite some time. And Alan, I think you've now taken the lead. You've been on uh, this podcast three times now, uh, you were tied with Dylan Mont of the Ames Tribune, a local Iowa State writer, uh, but you're in the lead now, I think, with this one. So thanks for uh, being on yet again. Yeah, no problem. I guess I got to thank the staff for recruiting the Midwest footprint more to allow me to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's been perfect for me because you're so freely available. And um, I wanted to start here because, like I mentioned, five commits in the last week. One of those is another in-state prospect, their fourth in-state guy, in this 2020 recruiting class, and that's Hunter Deckers from Western Iowa. He's from West Sioux. Uh, It's possible that Deckers could become this season the first uh, quarterback in the state history um, to pass for 10,000 yards in a career, but it's a kid that just popped up onto the scene really in the last couple months. What have you seen from him, and uh, what do you maybe like about this get for Iowa State? Yeah, I mean, he made noise at two opening regionals, and when he went to the first one, it was like, who is this guy? Um, didn't have a single FBS offer at the time, wasn't really well known. And just from the way he threw the football, turned everybody's heads, ends up going to another opening regional and uh, wins MVP there and gets invited to the Elite 11. So in a short period of time, uh, he went from pretty off the radar to on it, and the offers came along with that. And first, in terms of recruiting, I think Iowa State did a great job there because at the point at which you know, they had him in camp, uh, I know he had been been to camp the previous summer, but they were still evaluating him when they extended the offer. At that point, I went kind of, uh, from my perspective, it seemed like there were other schools that had already offered him. Iowa State already had a quarterback commit in the class. It just seemed like a tough recruiting battle, even though he was inside the state. But I think they did a good job with uh, balancing it with him and Aiden Bowman and both of those kids obviously understood competition as well. I compared it to the situation they had last year at tailback where they had two top guys in the class in Brees Hall and Jirel Brock. Um, and, and so Hunter on his own, I mean, the testing numbers speak for themselves, 47440 threw the ball really well in person. His high school production speaks for itself. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him compete alongside the best in the country at the opening finals this week, I'm actually leaving out for Dallas uh, in about a day here. And uh, I think Hunter is a guy who could rise even further than he has with a good performance down there. Yeah, this is a kid that's, you know, 6'2", 225 or so. Um, kind of one of those bigger body dual threat quarterbacks. The comparison because of that is, you know, Joel Lanning. You know, that's the people around here that, you know, they're talking about Joel Lanning and Hunter Deckers in terms of comparison because, Joel Lanning's from Ankeny, Iowa. Hunter Deckers is from Western Iowa. They're both, you know, guys that are these bigger-bodied, powerful guys. But I think you've already said that, you know, maybe that's an okay comparison to a 
to a point stylistically, but you think Deckers is a little bit more advanced with his arm at this stage. Am, am, am I right in, in that evaluation from you? Yeah, I, I see why. You know, even initially when we first saw Hunter, because we weren't really familiar with him yet, I went, I, I Joe Lanning popped in my head because they're bigger body types. They're good enough athletes to where you could play them anywhere on the field. But like you mentioned, Hunter's proficiency as a passer. I mean, Joel wasn't uh, going to throw for 10,000 yards in his career, 3,000-some yards last season. Joel didn't get out to some of the events Hunter has and impressed. Like I said, he wasn't an Elite 11 guy. Hunter is. So I think that comparison makes sense in terms of their body type and athletic profile. But where I think Hunter separates himself a little bit is that uh, I think he's a very polished passer at this point. Yeah, a kid that last year, 48 touchdowns to 10 interceptions um, for a school that obviously passes a lot. You know, sometimes in the state of Iowa, you don't um, see those kind of passing numbers, but it's because schools are like 75% run, but there's a lot to evaluate there. I guess to close out the quarterback discussion, how do you kind of see Deckers and Bowman uh, kind of coexisting? Because they're different guys, it seems like. You know, you got Bowman, who's uh, 6'5", 200 plus, but more this pocket guy that can get out and run, but, you know, he can sit in the pocket and this bigger quarterback, whereas Deckers seems more like that guy that can be a, a dual threat and maybe a power runner even at times. I You mentioned his 40 that you saw uh, at camp. I believe um, his numbers at Iowa State's camp, they saw him June 8th leading to the offer. I think it was 464 and 467, and those were hand-timed. I don't know how that compares to what they do at these opening regionals, but obviously he does have some speed, so Campbell's shown a, a, an affinity in the past to maybe sometimes use two quarterbacks in the right situation. Uh, how do you think those two kind of complement each other in this class? Because they're not the same guy. Yeah, I mean, I you know, 474 was on the laser. So those hand times you gave, uh, those, those seem to correlate pretty well um, in the difference between laser and hand. So I, I do think you have two guys who are very talented, but like you said, different enough to where I think they can coexist some. Um, and, and I, you know, we, we, all this talk right now is about Hunter, uh, but you, you forget about Aiden Bowman a little bit because he's been committed for so long, but an extremely talented prospect in his own right. And I think that you've seen Iowa State have to play multiple quarterbacks. You've seen what can happen when uh, someone gets injured and they have to throw a guy in. You know, Kyle Kemp comes in. You know, they've had other quarterbacks come in off the bench to win games for them. You even see it at the at the national championship level where, you know, Alabama was playing Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. Um, so you just see it everywhere where you can't just have one guy. So I do think that uh, it's good to have uh, talent at that position in droves. And when you look at where that position was when Matt Campbell and his staff came in and what the depth chart looks like now and what it's going to look like in the future there's no question they've greatly upgraded the talent in that room and I think the competition will end up pushing Hunter and Aiden to be better yeah two things to add on top of that uh is that first of all Iowa State fans saw firsthand why you need quarterbacks last year you mentioned obviously the switch from Kemp to Zeb Nolan to then Brock Purdy you know going through three before landing on Brock Purdy but then because of Brock Purdy, they had Devin Moore and Zeb Nolan transfer out, and it's just becoming more prevalent in college football, especially when you have a young guy step up like Brock Purdy or Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. 
guys are going to transfer because they want to play. And so you got to be ready for that. But I think the second part is that uh, Aiden Bowman and Hunter Deckers will kind of get separated a little bit, I think, by a year because Bowman is uh, expected to enroll early, whereas Deckers then would come normal. And that in some ways separates them, even though they're in the same uh, class here. So moving up to the guys that are going to protect those quarterbacks is the offensive line. They've now got four offensive line commits in this class uh, after a little bit of a flurry in June. All those guys are from the Midwest. We've talked about a couple of them before in Hayden Pauls and Tyler Miller when you've been on the Cyclone Scoop in the past. But the two recent ones are at least in the month of June. Brady Peterson from Ankeny, I know a kid that you've been kind of intrigued and trying to follow along, and he's gone up against some good competition at a training facility in Iowa. Uh, But the other other one I think you think is a sleeper, and, and so does Bill Green out in Ohio, and that's Sam Rengert, who they beat. West Virginia and some others for we won't go over all these guys but you know off the top of your head you know much about Brady Peterson or Sam Rengert or I guess have any kind of thoughts on what Iowa State gets in those two guys yeah I I watched Brady on film and this was right when he first started training at at strength U over there and I was talking to those guys and they have a bunch of top guys that train there like you said and uh, when I watched Brady's film I said to him I said guys this this kid stacks up as good or if not better than anyone else's that's in that facility. Um, and then you saw some of the workout clips. You saw clips of him dunking a basketball, and you saw that this guy was a good athlete. So I figured it was only a matter of time before he picked up some Power 5 offers. Um, I think some schools wanted him to come to camp and earn those offers. He, he didn't end up doing that. Otherwise, I think his offer list would be a little bit bigger. I think because of his ties to Iowa State, they were able to, to kind of wait and, and get him to camp themselves. And that was the place he wanted to be. So he got the offer and committed. But I think Brady's got a lot of potential for the future. I think he's going to be a really good player for them. And then Sam Renger, I just think, I mean, he may end up being the steal of the class. Uh, I, I almost put him in the same category when in, in past years, um, when we talked about guys like Will McDonald and, and Michael Rose and those guys of, of being under-recruited and then coming in and being impact guys, I think that could be Renger. You know, as I talked to Bill Green, we were going over the list of offensive linemen in Ohio. You know, Ohio State took two kids from inside the state of that position, and we can't tell you that we think Sam is may not be better than those guys, at least just as good and are not on par with uh, those guys who are going uh, to Ohio State. So I, I think Sam is uh, just about as talented as any lineman in the class, probably not named Paris Johnson, the five-star from from inside the state. But uh, after that, I think uh, Sam stacks up with those guys, maybe a little bit more developmental, but six foot seven, 280 pounds. I saw him at Michigan State's camp last summer. I thought he was really good there. Um, and I, I think that's the kind of guy that can develop into a really, really strong player for them. I'm really high on Renger. Yeah, so that's four offensive linemen in this class. I think they're pretty happy with the guys they got. You know, Renger, it looks like a tackle body. And we've talked about that before, how hard it is to just find tackle bodies. Um, you know, in a class. And that's sometimes why some of these kids get some, not that their offer lists get inflated, but um, just that, you know, schools really are trying to scour for these tackle bodies. And going back to the Peterson thing, I think you're spot on with the camp thing. He camped at Iowa State June 1st and they offered and he committed. He had camp set up, I think, to Iowa and Kansas State and several others. Was actually supposed to go to Nebraska and I think decided to wait and then go to Iowa State first because uh, they were going to be back-to-back nights, and he wanted to make sure that he was full strength when he got to Iowa State because obviously sometimes these kids camp and they're like back-to-back-to-back, and can you really put on your top performance all those nights? And he did at Iowa State and got that offer, and that that recruitment ended. But um, the other kid I did want to ask you about in the Midwest that was a recent commit because I think you had some comments on him 
just that he might be a little bit more ready than some guys going into college, and that's Johnny Wilson down in Kansas City. Obviously, Kansas City's been in a, a renewed area of focus for Iowa State, especially under assistant Nate Shieldhouse. And Johnny Wilson, they offered last April, first offer, and then even when Iowa and Arkansas and Missouri and Kansas and some others came in, Iowa State still wins that battle uh, of, of more than a year. But 6'3", 250, and I think you've said that just technique-wise and, and physically, he looks like he can play earlier in his career than maybe a developmental player. Yeah, I think, you know, you compare him to some of the other defensive ends that I've scouted in the Midwest that have gone to Iowa State, guys like Eni uh, Wazarike and we mentioned uh, Will McDonald, and those guys were these big, long, thoroughbred athletes that just ran around everybody at the high school level. And in contrast, you watch Johnny's film, and there's a lot more technicality there. You see him uh, taking on blocks. You see him doing a good job with his hands. You see him using leverage and playing disciplined football. So uh, he may not be the athletic freaks that those other guys that I mentioned are, but I think that from a technical base, he's going to come in ahead of the curve. Uh, I was really impressed with that part of his game on film. Then you look at his body type, you know, six foot three, 250 pounds, gives you, you know, some thickness there and some ability to uh, maybe grow into an inside guy or a strong side end. Um, body type very similar to the kid they took out of Missouri last year whose name escapes me right now was, who was the uh, the end they took out of Missouri a year ago oh dang oh yeah Corey Suttle yes Corey Suttle maybe a little more similar to Corey's in that uh, kind of a compact wider build so you look at the programs that wanted Johnny uh, it was a really good recruiting win and I've seen some of the uh, reporters for some of the other teams that, that recruit that area and recruited Johnny say, hey, this Nate Shieldhouse is, uh, is doing a great job in his old stomping ground. So Nate's able to go in there and Eli Rashid's able to go in there and Iowa State's able to, to get a kid that I think has a chance to play early in Johnny Wilson. Yeah, they lose two defensive ends and two defensive tackles in this um after this 2019 season. And so this is an important class. And so they get one of their priorities in Johnny Wilson, and they're hoping to pair him with Blaze Gunnarsson from Carroll Kemper, uh, which they would obviously hope then would be their fifth in-state commit. And I'm not going to put you on the spot with predicting where Gunnarsson's going to go. It's, it's going to be Iowa State or Nebraska. And by the time people listen to this, I mean, because he could decide at any point now, he might be at Nebraska, he might be at Iowa State. So we, it's, it doesn't really do as much good to get into that because it, that could change by the time – people really even listen to this, but how do you think those two could coexist if Gunnarsson ended up at Iowa State, and do you see, like, which one is more of a weak side versus strong side, or uh, how they would maybe fit together? Yeah, I think Blaze's body type is a little bit different, a little bit taller, longer, um, not as compact as Johnny, so, you know, I, I think they are different enough that they could definitely coexist. Blaze probably more of your weak side guy, Although he, with that kind of frame, you never know what he could grow into either. And uh, like I said, with, with Johnny, he could be a strong side guy. He may even play inside someday. So I think you have enough different possibilities there that uh, you just you stockpile the talent, you stockpile guys with versatility, and you, you stockpile guys with growth potential, and, and you go from there. So that's what I think you know about those two guys. I think they'll, they'll certainly find a way to get uh, the best four out there on the field. Yeah, those are guys that Johnny Wilson, like I said, they offered last April. Blaze Gunnarsson, they've offered last June. And so those have been priorities for a long time. And they've gotten one piece of it, and they're hoping that Gunnarsson will complete that duo in this 2020 class. But last thing I wanted to go into here with you is in-state uh, recruiting. Uh, there's, you know, I think Iowa and Iowa State both have four kids from the state of Iowa. 
and Iowa State's hoping that they get a fifth in Blaze Gunnarsson. But when you look at, at the in-state recruiting, and I know you don't have all this in front of you or anything, but um, you know if Iowa State can get Gunnarsson, they'll have five kids of the top nine uh, in the state of Iowa recruiting. Blaze Gunnarsson right now is the second uh, player in the state, and it's not like those players aren't like all up there. You, know, you go down to Hunter Deckers right now at number nine in the composite, and he's still an eight four nine eight. So basically, the top nine guys are almost pretty much eighty five plus in the composite. So mid or mid three to high three, or even into the four star range. And so it, it's been a pretty good class. I think we've talked about before. Twenty twenty is probably going to be deeper, but in a pretty decent twenty twenty in state class, Iowa State has four commits, and they could end up with a fifth in place. Gunnarsson and a couple of those. You know, Cole Peterson, Brady Peterson are kind of on the fringe of being in that top five. You know, they could end up with a couple guys in state in the top five, depending on how all this plays out through senior seasons. But I guess all of that talking for me leads to, you know, what um, what do you think Iowa State's done in state this year? And is this maybe the best they've done in state without being able to look through all these classes since Matt Campbell's been here? Yeah, you know, I, I think first, those kids, like I mentioned, Hunter going to the Elite 11 and the regionals and we mentioned Brady Peterson going out and training and, and getting some video. out. I think that the Iowa kids have done a good job of, of getting themselves out there a little bit more. And that's why you see some of them rank a little bit higher in the past for us. We were working blind a little bit more, I think with kids in Iowa, those kids have uh, gotten themselves out there a little bit more. I think that it's a really good in-state class, but also we've been exposed to them more, which helps us, you know, I think, get a more accurate evaluation on them. In terms of Iowa State, you know, you mentioned what they did in the state this year. I mean, I think it goes way back to earlier than that. I mean, I mentioned Hunter Deckers being at camp last summer. In a lot of cases, Iowa State started recruiting these kids very early. And um, even if they didn't offer early, they've been recruiting them early. They've gotten them on campus early. So the foundation of this goes back several years really to when Matt Campbell first took over and they started reaching out to in-state programs, started having kids on campus and even extending some offers at that point. And I think you flip that over and you push it into the 21 class where um, they have some commits and they have some guys offered inside the state and uh, Iowa just got an in-state commit in 22. So I think part of that is Iowa state pushing the envelope a little bit and, um, and forcing things to go a little bit earlier as far as offers and, and evaluations. So I think Iowa State's done a really, really good job, especially when you consider that Matt Campbell and the staff didn't really have a lot of ties to the state of Iowa. They've, they've emphasized it. They've done a good job of, uh, I think, finding kids, too, that have some family ties and making sure that they, they keep that within the cycle and family and um, like I said, I think they've also done a really good job of just making sure they get a lot of in-state kids up to camp and up to campus for unofficial visits during the fall. And that set the foundation for their success in the 2020 class. Yeah, I think you've made some good points there because the early offers has been a big part of, I think, getting uh, Trevor Downing even back, you know, a couple classes ago. But, you know, you mentioned this class. Uh, Cole Peterson was committed last July. Tyler Miller was committed last November. Like you mentioned, Deckers had been at camp multiple times. They just kind of continued to need to see him, and same with Brady Peterson. So a lot of this is early recruiting, and uh, there's already 10 offers, I think, out from Iowa State in the, in, the, in the state of Iowa for 2021. So that just continues on and on. So uh, I think that'll do it. I, uh, that, that's a lot of everything I wanted to cover, and I'm sure you'll be back on between now and, and National Signing Day. But thanks for taking some time and uh, safe travels down to the opening. I, I know People will probably be checking the board. You can check the board at Cyclone Alert, and I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on Hunter Deckers after you see him there. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, and I will definitely keep everybody updated on how Hunter does, and uh, we'll hope to have some video of him throwing down there as well.
Thanks again to Alan for coming on. I know he's traveling here soon to get down to Dallas for the opening. I'm going to be spending a lot of time there, but I wanted to catch up with him because it has been a busy week uh, for Iowa State, a busy month, actually, in the month of June, uh, headed into July here now. The dead period is ongoing, um, but there's still plenty of recruiting to come, and I thought Alan had some good insight on all that stuff. I think it's going to be interesting um, to see Hunter Deckers and Aiden Bowman, I think two really good quarterbacks, but I think they can really coexist in Iowa State's offense. You know, we've seen Matt Campbell use multiple quarterbacks, and I think when they're different enough, uh, Matt Campbell says it all the time. It's become a little bit cliche, but it's also his mantra, players, formations, plays. When when guys fit into their scheme, they find ways to use them, and that could be Real Mitchell this year, but I think Hunter Deckers is a guy that um, adds just a different element to that quarterback room as well. So um, that's going to do it for this edition of the Cyclone Scoop. If you're still listening right now and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd love for you to rate it. Um, I think that helps get it out there. You can always tell people about it as well. But that's two episodes this last week. Uh, if you missed it, we just had an episode with Iowa State wide receivers coach Nate Shieldhouse talked about a lot of things. This one with Alan True. We'll have more coming throughout July and August leading up to football season. Uh, but thanks for joining me here, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time.